Hallelujah. Greetings in the name of Jesus Christ our King. We are so excited for this opportunity to share the Word of God with you through your favorite program, The Moment of Truth. We are at a critical moment in God's plan for humanity, and God is said to do awesome things in and through individuals, families, communities, organizations, nations, continents, and across generations. As we proclaim the Word of God in the following series, you are going to receive illumination and direction, especially those in the Valley of Decision, and hopefully you'll be accurately positioned for the current move of God. So, sit back and relax. Go ahead, call your family and friends, and get ready for a life-changing encounter with the Word of God. As you do, your life will never be the same again. Last Sunday, we spent quality time looking at two of the essential components of our new logo, namely the Golden Square and then the Lone Star, the Lone Star that, is, that comprises and incorporates other shining stars. Because in him we live, we move, we have our being. He's a lone star. Prophesied about, manifested in Bethlehem. And wise men came all the way from the east because they saw that star. But in him, we exist. And as, as many as lead others to Christ and win souls, they will shine as stars of heaven. And not only that, he promised to give us, those who overcome, the morning star. Are you a shining star? Yes. I can't hear you. Yes. Is there any wandering star here this morning? No. Any falling star? No. We are not wandering stars. We are not roaming stars. We are not falling stars. We are shining stars. Can I hear amen? amen. We left out the third component. And who can remind me what the third component is? The two pillars. You know what the golden square represents already? I don't have to belabor that today and the lone star. But the two pillars that are in front of that logo. We shall focus our attention on them. And shall explain what they represent both materially and theologically. Before we examine the material composition of the two pillars, please permit me to lay a solid foundation for today's exposition. You recall that the word church entered into the vocabulary of the Bible for the first time when Jesus spoke in Caesarea Philippi and said to his disciples, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? In Caesarea Philippi, Jesus said to his disciples, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? You know the story. Some said you are Elijah, some said you are Isaiah, and those who do not want to miss it say you are one of the prophets. 
Then pointedly he asked them, Who do you say that I, the Son of Man, am? And Peter opened his mouth and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. I think Jesus paused for a moment and said, "Uh, You're not capable of that, Simon. Flesh and blood has not revealed that to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Blessed are thou, Simon Barjuna. And upon this revelation you have just received, I will build my church. Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys, not to the kingdom, the keys of the kingdom of heaven, so that whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you set loose on earth shall be set loose in heaven. You can't fathom what went through the minds of the disciples. Because Jesus was speaking to them what they were not familiar with. They knew about the tabernacle. They could talk from morning till evening about the tabernacle of Moses. They could talk about the tabernacle of David. And they could talk about the temple of Solomon. Rebuilt by Herod. That lasted some 40 years in rebuilding. And then they all had participated in different synagogues. So they're familiar with. They were familiar with tabernacle. Temple. Synagogue. But they're following this man who now, after they have been part of it now, said, I will build my church, the ecclesia, the called out ones. From where would they be called out and where are they going? They're used to monument, they're not used to movement. And to compound their matter, Jesus never gave them a definition of the church. Throughout all his teaching, there was no moment he paused and said, by the way, let me define the church to you. Oh, you can say, but he said you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. He had not said church at that time. He took Paul with his high level spiritual capacity to define the church. In 1 Timothy chapter 3 verses 14 and 15, Paul the apostle made an attempt there to define what the church is. You still find people going to church today. Or what did you say when you were eating this morning? Let's go to the church. They also said the same thing. I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. But Jesus was about to build so many houses that this world would not be able to contain. Because you are the house of the Lord. I don't want to compound your matter today because when he said to them in my father's house there are many mansions they didn't know what he was saying at all. And that's why you still sing there are mansions waiting for you in heaven. Peter will be at the pearly gate to hand you the key to your mansion. I wish you well when you get there. I hope to be your neighbor too. <laughs> it was in 1 Timothy three fourteen and 15 that Paul made an attempt to first define 
the church. He was writing a letter to Timothy. He said, Timothy, it might take a while before you see me. I hope not to tarry long. But if I do, I'm writing to you so that you may know how to behave yourself. Tell your neighbor, there's a behavioral pattern. The church is not your living room. It's not your private room. You can't do what you will there. You can only do God's will. Give me 1 Timothy 3, 14 and 15. If I tarry, I'm writing to you that you may know how to behave yourself. Where? These things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly. When you're not in charge of your schedule, you, you don't know where you'll be tomorrow. I sat minding my business at home uh, on, on Saturday and suddenly, bam, I got an alert, not of money. <laughs> Our dear man of God, Mr. President, would like to see you Sunday night at the residence. What do you say? I requiem differ. Before for retire, about for being called. Interpret to those who don't speak Yoruba. <laughs> All right, let's read. But if I'm delayed, I rise so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself where? In the house of God. I can't hear you. In the house of God. What is the house of God? Which is the church of the living God? Which is the church of the living God? The pillar and the ground of truth. It's an attempt at definition. But if I'm delayed, I rise so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and ground of the truth. This is the first attempt by Paul to define the church. And he located the church in the dream of the patriarch called Jacob. Who left home in search of a wife. On his way to Padanaram, he came to a certain place, the sun had set. And he took a stone there for a pillow. He did not know it was one of those stones that Abraham had used to build his altar. As soon as he put his head on this stone pillow, I don't know how convenient that was to a hungry man, any food is food. To a man who is tired and who could not pay for a motel, any pillow is pillow. But suddenly, he saw a dream. He saw a pillar that went for that ascended into heaven, angels ascending and descending upon them, and the Lord stood upon that ladder and spoke to him. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac. For the first time he found that his name was not there. Because it doesn't matter how tall your grandfather is, you have to grow your own height. Igbala Baba Ugbomola. Do you understand me? You have to interrogate your own Christianity whether you have relationship with God or not. You cannot say my father is a pastor therefore I'm a Christian. Zero. Like David said to Solomon you must know God for yourself. Is that clear? I'm the God of your father Abraham the God of your father Isaac the land upon which you lie now I will give to you because I promised them. And then he woke up and he said 
God is in this place. Give me Genesis 28, 16. Genesis 28, 16. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. That's why you can behave anyhow because you don't know God is present. If you're constantly aware that Jehovah is present, you will carry yourself better. You will behave better. If you know that he sees everything, he knows everything, is where you think is not, you will not need serious follow-up. Because you know his eyes are going to and fro the earth. He's seeking those whose hearts are loyal towards him that he might make himself strong on their behalf. And Lord, today I need that strength like never before. Can I hear? Amen. Amen. Let's read. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. To him, it was an accidental thing. To God, it was pre programmed, it was pre planned. Listen to what he said. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. No building, no blocks, no cement. Do you understand me? Nothing. Now, Paul said in 1 Timothy 3 for. That you may know how to behave yourself where? In the house of God. Now Jacob had located that house. This is the house. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone he had put at his head, set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. The, that certain place, like Jonathan David would say, became awesome place to him. What made it awesome? The presence of God. So when Paul said, I'm writing to you that you may know how to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is a church of the living God, that is, when Jesus said, I will build my church, this is what he's referring to, the house of God, the pillar and the ground of truth. He was connecting the church back to the first pillar that was anointed in the Bible. Are you with me? So when you see those two pillars, don't just think they are decorative accessories. I've told you everything in that logo speaks about you. That's where you're going. You're going to become an iconic Global citizen. You'll be a shining star. And you'll become a kingdom pillar. Now let me. Do you understand why I had to go to define church for you? Because you are going to find out. That without these two pillars. Church is not church. That any church without these two pillars. Will soon collapse is a question of time. Because persecution will come. All kinds of attacks will come. If you read in Acts of the Apostle chapter 8, give me Acts of the Apostle chapter 8. I hope I'll be able to get to these pillars today. <laughs> Acts of the Apostle chapter 8. Now Saul was consenting to his death. At that time, what happened? 
a great persecution arose against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. This church was more than 5,000 people the last time we counted, right? And when persecution arose, they were all scattered. Who remained? Because they were the pillars. Pillars don't move. And when I get to where we're going, you will see that before Moses received the architectural blueprint for the tabernacle on the mountaintop, he first had to erect 12 pillars. You don't know that. Exodus 24. Exodus 24. Now he, God, verse 1, said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and worship from afar. Okay. Verse. I'm looking for. Hmm, verse four. Verse four. And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord, and he rose early in the morning and built what? An altar where? At the foot of the mountain, and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. Now, I'm talking about two pillars here. I'm showing you twelve pillars. You say, what do you mean? God knew from before time began... That one day Jesus will come and build this church. And the attack will come seriously against it. But there will be 12 men standing. Each pillar represented each tribe in this particular story. If you read further, it was after he had erected, planted, I mean, laid the altar, built the altar, erected the pillars. That God gave him the blueprint for the tabernacle in Exodus 25. Everything that is foundational that is not done properly will bring the house down. It's a question of time. You can rush and build your house quickly and boom, 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 and recover it, but it will crack. My friend does not like me to tell him the, to tell this story. He's the external auditor of this church. He just built his house and he called myself and a doctor friend to come and dedicate. And we went there. He bought us uh, snacks. And we had and we prayed for the house. And a year in, he came back here and said, they said I'll have to pull that house down. So why? It's cracking everywhere. And I laughed. I said, you have become a former landlord. <laughs> he said, this is not funny. I said, okay, how much do you need to start? If the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Yes, sir. The Bible does not say nothing. You answer nothing. There's no nothing there. Psalm 11. If the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Psalm 11 verse 3. 
If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Do you find an answer there saying no? The answer is next verse. Look at it. The Lord is in his holy temple. Go to the temple and see how the foundation was laid there and relayed for your life. First Kings chapter 5. How did they lay the foundation of the temple? They took costly stones, hewn stones, and I can hear you. Large stones. Three types of stones. Hewn stones, costly stones, large stones to lay the foundation. What is that? Apostles, prophets, and Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone. If those foundations are not in your life, you better start interrogating your Christianity. You may have psychological salvation and cerebral Christianity. Wear up your best dress on Sunday and show up and dance to musicians who themselves do not know what they are doing. I don't mean you. If I mean you, I will tell you you. It's not you. Okay. Look, what do you think is responsible for a man getting up, leaving home, with a staff in his hand, a bottle of oil in his pocket, no money for a motel, going in search of a wife, then he would take a stone and erect it as a pillar and he would pour oil on it. Is this shiri shiri thing? No. It was being led every inch of the way because of the future that it would not even see. Wow. Are you with me? Yes, sir. So when you hear the church is a house of God, the pillar and the ground of truth, you need to go back and say, what pillar? Somebody say, what pillar? What pillar? Jacob the patriarch erected four pillars in total. How many pillars? Four. I can't hear you. Four. I cannot hear you. Four. How many corners does the earth have? Four. Why do you talk of four corners of the earth and wind from the corners of the earth? Because what he was doing that day will have global impact in the days and years and multitudes of years and number of years to come. He erected four pillars, but only two of them were anointed. Out of the four pillars, how many were anointed? Okay, because I've taught you before, and if if you're not familiar with this, go to the 16-tape series on what is church. So now we stop playing church. And if you can't get the tapes, buy my book, it's coming out. You'll find it there, what is church. Church is not Anglican church. Church is not Methodist church. Church is not Baptist church. Church is not Deeper Life church. Nah. Those are denominations. They are are departments of the same store. You don't understand me. They are labels that men put on on their creation. Including CGCC. It's a label. I'm not sure you are getting me. It's a label. When you get to heaven, you're not going to find St. Peter. Peter will slap you for naming, for naming a church after him. Because he will tell you in First Peter chapter 5, he said, the church is blood-bought. He paid for it with his own blood. I am an eyewitness of his suffering. And he said, 
the church is in Peter. Bam! Where did I tell you to name a church after me? But you know we don't name church, we name buildings. And your building is bigger than mine, and mine is bigger than yours. That's what we compete about. It doesn't make sense to God. The first pillar he erected, he erected it in Bethel. And when he erected that pillar, he anointed it with oil and stood before the pillar to make a vow to God. If you keep me in the way that I go and bring me back safely to my father's house and give me food and raiment, having food and raiment, let us there be with content. He was not asking for transfer of wealth. He was not asking for empire. It was not, he said, give me food and bring me back to my father's house. Then, then, this pillar that I have erected today will become the house of God. (laughs) Hello. Of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth of all. No preacher was making a call for tithes and offering. It's something from within him. He had lived with his grandfather Abraham. Abraham who had told him the story of his encounter with Melchizedek. Do you understand me? He knew that was the right thing to do. Everything that I, you give me, I'll give you a tenth of it. And you'll be my God. He left the place. I went to Padanaram. You know what Padanaram means? You don't know. It means cultivated field. Cultivated field. That's what Padanaram means. What does it mean? Cultivated. I can't hear you. Now, young people and parents who are raising young people, please, it is only from cultivated field you get spouses for your children. Or else, you marry Delilah for them. And they'll break their heads one day. It's only from cultivated fields you should raise, you should look for spouses for your children. Because if they come from dysfunctional homes, they are going to render their new home totally dysfunctional. Okay. All right. Somebody say cultivated field. Cultivated field. He got to Padanaram, and you know the rest of the story, don't you know? He served Laban for 20 years. In those 20 years, Laban changed his wages 10 times. He said it was a fear of his father, Isaac, that kept him while he was going through this process. So the day came when he gathered his wives and all his children in Genesis 31 and said, Hey, guys, your father's disposition towards me is no longer what he used to be. So are your brothers also. Before they kidnap me or kill me, I'm going. By the way, the angel of the Lord, before whom I stood to anoint the pillar, had appeared to me. And he gave me a strategy that transferred your father's wealth into my hands. So when you stand before God to make a vow, he's the one that helps you to keep the vow. You don't get it. There's nothing you can do in your strength to please God except he helps you. There's nothing you have to give him that does not come from him. Are you with me? So he fled. And three days after, Laban caught up with him. Do you remember what he said to him? He said, I intend to do you harm. But the God of your father showed up yesterday and said, I should not talk to you good or bad. 
I don't know why she's talking. Somebody should have slapped him. They say you should not talk good or bad. You are still saying something. At the end of the day, they agreed to enter into covenant with each other that they will not attack each other. Because these are my daughters, he said. And out of the heap of stones they gathered together upon which they sat to eat, Jacob took another pillar, another stone. He erected it as a pillar in Genesis 31, and he calls his name Galid. Galid. But there was no anointing on it. No oil and nothing was put on it. It was just kept there. What does this stone, this pillar represent? It's not part of the pillars of Bethel. This is a witness to the world because Galid means witness. There are those who will not be anointed that will have to reach out to with anointing. Galid also represents something else in the spirit. Are you listening to me? This is the place where your enemies become your well-wishers. For if a man's way places the Lord, even his enemies will be at peace with him. The man was coming to do him harm. But couldn't because God showed up. May God show up before your enemy shows up. In the name of Jesus. Are you listening to this? That is the second pillar erected by Jacob, but it was not anointed. And after he had served some 20 years, Almighty God showed up to him and said, It's time to return to your father's house. Go back to Bethel. See, see how consistent God can be and how he notices every little detail. Give me Genesis 35. Genesis chapter 35. Then God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there and make an altar there to God. All along he had been erecting pillars. There go and make an altar to God who appeared to you when you fled from the face of Esau, your brother. So he returned home because God said it was time. Many times people jump boat because something better is pulling them from another side. They would leave this company and go to that without checking. Sometimes they jump from frying pan to fire because they, 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 they're the boss. It was God who asked him to go. And he asked him now to erect what? An altar. But he had enough sanctified common sense. He knew that there were foreign gods. Hello. He knew there were foreign gods within his household. And this jealous God will have no competitor. So before he will build this altar, he took an offering. Offering of gods. Genesis 35, verse 2. And Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, put away the foreign gods that are among you, purify yourselves, and change your garments. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make an altar there to God, who answered me in the day of my distress, and has been with me in the way which I have gone. <laughs> so they buried all the foreign gods in the house, household idols, they buried them under the terrible tree of shaking. Are you with me? Yes. Buried them there. It was after that he now erected an altar. 
And when he erected the altar, he called his name El Bethel. Are you following me? Yes, sir. He had collected the idols, he had buried them away, he erected this altar that he called El Bethel. El Bethel means God of the house. He's assembling materials for true church. God of the house. He has anointed the pillar at Bethel. He called it the house of God. Paul referred to it as the ground and the pillar and the ground of truth. Are you following me? Then what is the assignment of the church? To win the loss at all costs by witnessing. So he erected another pillar without any oil called Galilee. Now he built an altar unto God and he called it what? El Betel. It means what? God of the house. Now listen to this. Without the God of the house, the house of God is a synagogue of Satan. Hello. Whenever the God of the house is not in the house of God, it becomes synagogue of Satan and at best den of thieves. My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. If God of the house is not the one in the house, every other person in the house is an imposter. This is why I pity apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, teachers, bishops, archbishops, and archdeacons who think the church is about them. There is an altar called El Betel. The God of the house must function in his house. It's his house. That you may know how to behave, conduct yourself in the house of God. Who determines what to do in the house? The God of the house. It was after this altar was erected that God showed up again to Jacob and said, what's your name? Second time, say, my name is Jacob. Say, you are no longer Jacob, you are Israel. And as soon as that encounter finished, he took another stone. Remember, it's in Bethel now, and he erected it as a pillar. On this second pillar, he poured wine, drink offering, and oil. That's the second pillar of Bethel. Galid was not in Bethel. The first one that he poured oil on was in Bethel. Galid was in his journey between Padanaram and Bethel because we have to encounter the word and reach out to them, and God will make our enemies to become our well wishers. <clears throat> Can I hear amen? amen. Then in Genesis 35, after he built an altar he called God of the house, El Bethel, then he erected the third pillar, but the second anointed pillar. And on that pillar, he poured wine. You want me to read? You trust me? Yes, sir. He poured wine, a drink offering, and oil. At this time, after, and, and it's still in Bethel. Genesis 35, I want you to see it. Ready? Read. So Jacob sought up a pillar in the place where he talked with God, a pillar of stone, 
and he poured a drink offering on it and he poured oil on it. That's the second anointed pillar. If I'm giving title to this message, I'll call it the two anointed pillars of God's house. At this time, his favorite wife was pregnant. He had two wives. He was legally married to one and happily married to the other. (laughs) Because he didn't want Leah. He labored for seven years for Rachel. But he had been shortchanging others. Then they come, met the con, that con, the con. They con him. They said, it cannot be done. Uh-huh. Con him and die. Con him and bury him. It cannot be done here. The younger cannot marry before the older. So, oh yeah, you know. And then you work for me for another seven years for this one. He said, hey, this is the world we'll do. I will work for seven But give her to me first. Then I will work for seven years. Oh yeah, he got his second wife almost simultaneously with the first wife. Jacob. And then each wife also gave him additional wife in their competition. Billion Silpa were also added. And you say, what is that? Because the river must part into four river heads. I didn't ask you to say if the river has parted into four river heads. I'm getting four wives. Economy will bite you hard. <laughs> Don't do that nonsense. Can I hear? Amen. Amen. Even if you can afford it, God's will is one man, one wife for a lifetime, not one man, one wife at a time. Until death do them part. Okay? Are you still here? Good. At this time, Rachel was pregnant and she was heavy. And Jacob, the head of the family, said, we must get to Bethlehem. Now, why couldn't just Jacob wait? You love this woman, don't you? Why carry a heavy woman over a five-mile journey? Well, as soon as he got near Bethlehem, she went into hard labor. And the midwife said, you will have this one also, this child also. She had used her mouth to say, God will add another to me. That's why he named the first one Joseph. Now my life is more than this. There's still something else that I'm sent here to do and I have to do it. And she became pregnant, heavy with the next child and died in the process of giving birth to that child. You following me? There are no accidents in God. Everything is pre-planned, pre-programmed. He works everything after the counsel of his own will. That somebody dies at childbirth is not new. Be encouraged. Look at the child. There must be a lesson God is sending. As the woman was passing out, she called his name Benoni, son of my sorrow. And the father, for the first time, Jacob named the child. 
All the 11 brothers before him were named by their mothers. Like my former boss, Chief Ganifa and me. All his children through his first wife were named by his mother while he was in jail. They were always arresting him and putting him in and arresting him. He didn't wait to but the mother was alive to name them. Those are people who suffer for this country. I pray God that their, their contribution will not be forgotten. Amen. For the first time, Jacob opened his mouth and said, His name shall not be called Benoni, it shall be called Benjamin. And it's not because I'm callous, it's not because I'm wicked, but you, your son, myself, we are in the hands of God like puppets. He's painting a picture, a type and shadow of the future. The Messiah will be a man of sorrow, acquainted with grief, because he become the son of the right hand. So Benjamin, you are acting something that is yet to take place. Your mother calls you sorrow, son of my sorrow. I call you son of my right hand. And the reason we came to Bethlehem is it does not matter when Mary will be pregnant. There will be a decree that will take her from Galilee to Bethlehem. He must get there because the place that the Messiah will be born is Bethlehem. And your last child, Jacob, will have to act that because I'm sending the last Adam. Are you with me? It was on the grave of Rachel that he erected the final pillar. Many of us don't know that God will not have competitor in our life. And whatever we love above him, we die while we are still here. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Before you fulfill what God sent you to do here, you will get to the place where you say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one God that loves your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. God will have no competitor. Have you forgotten that Rachel carried idols from his, her father's house into the patriarch's house? That's why she was the only one not buried in that grave where every one of them was buried. When Mrs. B was ministering this morning, she said, hey... We will have an interface with Babylon, but we must maintain contact without contamination. Do you understand this? Yeah, the gods you carry will kill you eventually if you don't throw them away. Despite the fact that all the gods were buried under the tree of Shechem, she still died in the midst of process. And a final pillar was erected on a grave. This is where all desires... Everything we prioritize, everything that manipulates us, we have to die. And when you leave that place is when you come to the Tower of Edda, the mountain of the Lord's house, and that be above all mountains and above all hills, so that all nations can flow into it. Give me Genesis 35. I read that, then I can touch a little bit on the two pillars. (laughs) Okay, that guy wants to preach. Let him preach, God. Genesis 35. Keep on, keep on, like me. One day you preach and preach and preach. Verse 16. 
Then they journeyed from Bethel, and when there was but a little distance to go to where? Ephrath. Rachel labored in childbirth, and she had hard labor. Now it came to pass, when she was in hard labor, that the midwife said to her, Do not fear, you have this son also. No, what do you use to detect babies? Detect their sex, what do you call it? Scan. There was no scanning machine there, but they were in the spirit. So this is his son also. <laughs> and so it was as her soul was departing, for she died, that she called his name what? Benoni. But his father called him Benjamin. What is Benoni? Son of my sorrow. What is Benjamin? Son of my right hand. Who is Jesus? A man of sorrow acquainted with grief. When he finished his assignment, he sat on the right-hand side of God. Benoni, Benjamin, they were acting, they were type and shadow of Jesus. Okay, let's go on. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is, where? Bethlehem. And Jacob set a pillar in her grave, which is the pillar of Rachel's grave to this day. There was no oil poured, no drink poured. So you have two pillars. One is talking about death to your desires. He said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I. It is Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Do you understand me? Okay. <laughs> Luke chapter number 2. It was time for the Messiah to come. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. The decree went out from where? From the, from the empire ruler. That all the world should be registered. And every man must return to his own native land, the place of your birth, to go register. See, when they issue laws and decrees, in the days that your walls will be built, the decree will be far and wide. Whenever they are doing this and doing that, and Sek is doing this and another person is doing that, it's because God is about to replace people and bring people in. It's very simple. When you see decrees flying out, don't get angry. God rules in the affairs of men, and he gives it to whosoever he wills. He still rules in the kingdom of men. Now the Messiah was about to come. Caesar or Augustus knew nothing about it, but the child must be born in Bethlehem. So he made a decree. Nothing is against you if God is for you. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went off from where? Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because it was of the house and lineage of David. To be registered with Mary is with third wife who was with child. Why should the decree come at this time? Because Jacob paid the price. Because Rachel also paid the price. Why should the decree come at this time? The Messiah must be born in Bethlehem and you cannot change his plan and purpose. Yes. 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 Go on. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her first son, born son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, 
and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. The owner of the planet came here. There was no room for them. Why was there no room for them? Well, his ancestor by the name of Jacob had no room in any hotel. He slept outside. Okay. It's called DNA. It travels. It's like a guided pilot. Certain things that happen to you that you don't know, you are creating a future for a people. And others have created your future. If you are paying attention, you see that one pillar is taller than the other. Can you see it? This is the first pillar of Bethel. What was poured on it? Oil. This is the second pillar of Bethel. What was poured on it? Wine and oil. Now, I think I will take you from there in the days to come. I will just try today to introduce this first pillar is Jesus himself. This second pillar is his church. Oh, no, I can't see that. How can this pillar be Jesus? Why did he erect the pillar? Is there a ladder that went to heaven? Angels ascending and descending. And Jesus, here is it when he began his ministry. Nathaniel came. said, I saw you when you were under the fig tree studying. And very soon you see angels ascend and descend upon the Son of God. You cannot separate this pillar from Jesus. It's intrinsically linked to him. Why? Because it's him that connected heaven to the earth. He's the head of his church. You are the pillar that holds my life. <laughs> hey, you are the pillar that holds my life. Master Jesus, you are the pillar that holds my life. Master Jesus, you are the I can hear you sing. You are the pillar that Hey, you are my life. I hardly come here. Master Jesus. Okay. My Master Jesus, you Sing it from the earth. You are the pillar that holds my life. You are the pillar. Master Jesus, you are the pillar that holds my life. Jesus, you are. Amen. Why did Jacob pour wine and oil on the other?
Sila. Mabesel. Do you know why? Follow me to the New Testament, to the story of the wounded man along the road to Jericho. You remember the story? A Levite came and saw him wounded and gasping for breath. He was running for service. Uh, He could not be contaminated by this dying man. He has forgotten that the ministry is to a dying world. Went this way, then a priest came, he did the same thing, but here comes a good Samaritan. Who is a good Samaritan? It's Jesus. It's Jesus himself. As a matter of fact, in John chapter 8, he was called a Samaritan with evil spirit. But he's a good Samaritan. The good Samaritan bent over this man and did what? Dressed his wound. What did he pour there? Wine and oil. And then took him and gave him to an innkeeper. And paid him two denarius, saying, take care of him till I come. And if you spend more, I'll pay. You know the story well. You learned it from Sunday school. Now, who is a good Samaritan? Jesus. Who is the wounded man? The dying and the sick world. When he poured wine and oil, is because the wine and oil had to be poured on the second pillar representing the church that will be ministering to the lost and the sick. Are you with me? And giving him to the innkeeper, he said, you pastors of the church, be in charge of the wounded and the sick and take care of them till I come. Here is two denarii representing two days pay because a day with the Lord is a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. The church will be for two thousand years. I need a place to keep the wounded. I need a place to keep the injured. I need a place to keep the sick so that you can minister wine and oil to them to be healed. That's the church. That's the second pillar there. Each of these two pillars has four dimensions. Do you understand me? Each of them has four dimensions. But you have to wait for those. Can I give you the first pillar? Today to keep your appetite ready for the second pillar and then to tie it all up to know that you are the pillar (laughs) you are this small pillar God needs you he wants to make you a pillar in his kingdom what's the first thing you notice about that first pillar he's saying number one the church is where people must experience the manifest presence of God. God is in this place and I know it not. Who was on the ladder talking to him? The Lord. Any living church must have these two pillars. You understand why? Because they must experience. I'm not saying I felt something. Manifest presence of God. Because if there is no manifest presence, there cannot be indwelling presence. God is omnipresent, but he wants to manifest himself to you in a way that you know, that you know that you have had an encounter with him. I can't deny God is too late. I knew the place and the time when I encountered him. Paul said, am I not an apostle? Have I not seen the Lord? If you have not seen him, what then are you testifying about? It's hearsay. 
is a place of his manifest presence. Do you understand me? And the people that will serve him must be covenant keepers. Not covenant breakers. That's the second dimension. He stood before the pillar and made a vow to God. And those who make vows to God because it's prompted by him already know, number three, that it's that God that will help them to fulfill the vow. Now, I'm not saying pledge. Because we are used to pledges that we will not keep. That gets us into trouble. I'm talking of something that, is, that originates in the spirit, that, that's transacted in the spirit, the spirit of God leading you to take certain steps. When he was saying, this will become the house of God, he didn't have a dime. It's like David, many, many years later, saying, I will build God a house. He didn't have money for it. So let your soul delight itself in abundance. Abundance there is not material possession. Abundance there is being rich towards God. Take your pen right. I'll come back next Sunday by God's grace and continue. What do these pillars mean? The four dimensions of the first pillar, that's all I can handle today. Is that okay by you? Number one, the church is the place of his manifest presence. Number two, the church is made up of covenant people, not covenant breakers. Men and women who vow to God and who are enabled by the covenant keeping God to keep the vows. Number three, the church is a pillar and the ground of truth. There is no room for the spirit of error to operate or function in a living church. It's a pillar and the ground of truth. Every living church must be a platform for the dissemination of truth. Not heresies. And not fables. Not riddles and jokes. Number four, this anointed pillar without a doubt is intrinsically linked to Jesus himself because it's the ladder that connects both heaven and the earth. Every reformer that will make his mark in the word or a mark in the word must know this pillar. Because you lean against that pillar to make your vow and commitment to God to guide you in the way you go and to help you in the assignment he has given you. What he erected here, what Jacob erected here, became a physical pillar in the temple later. And it was against that pillar that Josiah the reformer leaned when he was making a vow to God. Second Kings 23, beginning from verse 1. Now the king sent them to gather all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem to him. The king went up to the house of the Lord with all the men of Judah and with him all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And the priests and the prophets and all the people, both small and great. Watch this. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant which had been found in the house of the Lord. Verse 3. Then the king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord 
to follow the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his so to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book and all the people took a stand for the covenant when the leader leans against this pillar to make his own covenant the people will take a stand stand to your feet you're going to know more about these pillars in the days to come. You understand me? Amen. You are going to walk in it and become that pillar. A man, a, a, a man and a woman people can reckon with. Because your word will be your bond. You'll be a covenant keeper, not a covenant breaker. And you'll make a difference in a perverse and crooked world. Lift your hands to heaven. Father, we give you glory and praise this day. We thank you. Thank you for unveiling this logo before us. And showing us what manner of men and women we ought to be. We are the ones that will manifest your glory. We are the now church. In the name of Jesus, I pray that all things we are learning now will not stand against us. None of us will fall by the wayside. And in the course of this transition, every other God in our lives is buried. In the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you. Receive all the glory. Receive all the praise. And receive all the adoration. In Jesus' mighty name, and the people said, Amen. Praise the Lord, somebody. Can I be honest with you? By the time this is all over, your life will change. Amen. Because you begin to see yourself in yes, the sir. mirror, and the miracle mirror of God's word, Amen. and you become what you see. Amen. You become a pillar, Amen. a shining star. A global citizen. Making a difference in a perverse and crooked world. In Jesus mighty name. And the people said. Thanks so much for listening. We have to end it here today. But it's been a real joy to come into your homes. To unveil the truth of God's word. I pray that the word of God you have received will sink deeply into your hearts and bring forth tangible fruit in Jesus' name. Amen. In addition, I pray that the truth you've embraced will not only set you free, but it will empower you to impact your environment positively as God's representative in your sphere of influence. Till we meet again on this platform, remain sandwiched between the peace of God and the God of peace. God bless you richly. Bye, Bye for, for now. now.